Hello, my name is Austin. Welcome to the Beer and Pretzel Podcast, your introduction to fun one-shot role-playing games. Today, I want to make a quick episode talk about Fight Bears, Cough, Blood, Kill God by Lucila Elizabeth Scarlett. Travis and I recently wrapped up a two-part episode people should check out on our channel uh, playing this two-player game. And as two-player role-playing games are extremely rare compared to, of course, main group play or even solo mode, I was presently surprised how fun this game was to run and to also kind of play with Travis. So for those who didn't hear the episodes, they should check it out. They're not super long. They're under an hour each, and there's only two of them. People should check them out. Uh, or if you've never read through the rules uh, themselves, I'll basically give you a quick sum up of the game and my thoughts. So Fight Bears, Cough, Blood, Kill God. First of all, awesome title. Also, the game is only five pages long, so takes very little to go through it it's really including credits and a conclusion at the end it's really just a four page pdf also i'll be including a link to where to get it because while you're more than welcome and encouraged to leave a donation if you like you can get this game for free on her itch channel so i'll leave a description in the description i mean where to um, find this game so it's a two-player role-playing game. We also played Murderous Ghost recently. That was a two-player game, but that is a two-player uh, party game where you're encouraged to have more people. While there's only the player and the GM, there can be many single players taking over the role of the explorer in Murderous Ghost. And this, this is a strict two-player role-playing game in which one player plays the novice and one player plays the master. And you guys basically team up at the end to take on the enemy. So this is a described as a fighting montage game for two players. And all you need is 11 six-sided die and a deck of standard playing cards. Even though I kind of think you can get away without using the playing cards if you don't have them. This game is very much inspired by fighting animes such as Dragon Ball Z, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Bleach, and Demon Slayer. Even though I personally think, and something I brought up during the podcast recording was that I saw more of, maybe it's because I'm not a huge anime fan, but I saw more of the Karate Kid or even Kung Fu Panda in this, in that the master is training a youngster who's not very strong to take on some common enemy and they team up at end to fight that person after of course uh the pupil trains for most of the movie probably gets a cool training montage and eventually he kicks butt and wins at the end so what's cool about this there's no set setting you can kind of make up what you want to do in ours i took loose inspiration from a movie script that I've been picturing and writing that is focused on the Ice Age and a tribe of, uh, I guess it would be Neanderthals or just people during the Ice Age during the end of the Woolly Mammoth. And it follows a son that was played by Travis, who his father, the Great Chief, was killed by an enemy and his brother, which was my character, the uncle to this boy, over many years trains him to become a great warrior and to eventually track down this other tribe's chieftain and kill him. Of course, you don't have to play over many years. That's how we chose to do it because this is kind of like a story-driven game. You kind of make up how you want the story to go, like kind of improvise in a movie or a TV show or whatnot because there's no really verses. Uh, you do fight the enemy at the end, but you're trying to create this story to be as fun as possible. That's kind of the end goal in this. 
can play this as a character's training over a couple hours, a couple days, in our case, years. But you pick a setting that is interesting to you. I picked the Ice Age because I thought that would be fun. Or you can go something that's really like fantasy based or go really extreme into like uh, kind of like an anime. Like I was almost picturing like One Punch Man. If we wanted to just rip off One Punch Man, we could have done One Punch Man as the trainer. And then Travis's character could have been, I forget his name, but the robot man from that show, the cyborg kid. But you can kind of pick anything. At one point, I was considering doing a Western setting. But in the future, I'm going to run Deadlands on this podcast. And I don't really need two different Western-themed uh, RPGs going on at the same time. But I thought that could have been cool. To train someone over a bit how to become a better shooter. Or maybe uh, use the lasso better. Kind of like the beginning of Red Dead Redemption, sort of. You kind of train in the character and yourself being the best cowboy or outlaw possible. Uh, you can go back to medieval ages. You can do some more fantasy based. You can make up your own setting. I considered at one point doing a setting where you're playing as dragons, and there is a common enemy who's even stronger than a dragon. So I would play a dragon. Travis would play a dragon. Maybe there's like a small uh, group of dragons that, even though they're powerful, they're not as strong as whatever enemy we had to fight to end. So I like in this that you can kind of choose whatever setting as long as you can apply the idea of a master and a pupil to it right off the bat to create create characters because with most rpgs the main part of the game at the beginning is creating your character you'll probably will hear it on our podcast episode we briefly talk about how we made our characters but the novice and the master get their own set of questions that they to answer so for the master one question is what is your name, but also what sort of skills you have and who taught them to you? I said my skills were taught to me by myself, but also my brother, the great chief that was killed off. In what ways is the Nova stronger than you? Have you ever told them? What gives you the most faith that the Novas can't succeed? It's a very interesting and tough questions, not necessarily super tough, but very thought-provoking questions that really flesh out not only the characters, but the setting. And then after Master and after Novice uh, go through their questions, I think there's like eight different questions that require some thought. Uh, not like extremely difficult or anything. They're not a pain in the butt to deal with, but it allows you to sit down and come up with this setting and characters together. Then after you work on those two characters individually, you can team up in a way to come up with ideas for the last character, which is the enemy. And the enemy also has eight questions. For example, does the enemy have any known weaknesses? What is the enemy's goals? How long have the master and Novus uh, brought themselves time to train? Or why does the enemy have a grudge against the master and Novus? These are all questions that, once again, fervor uh, kind of establishes these characters and push them to new directions you might not have thought of at the beginning of the game or even creating your own character. And also further establishes the setting, which is very key. After that, after you establish your characters, we go into playing the game. There's really only two main segments. Uh, the first segment, of course, is the train and montage scene, and that takes up most of the game. And then at the end, the last segment of play is the team up against the enemy, the common foe. So in the beginning, 
every character has a dice pool. So out of the 11, Novus will start with one dice because he's a beginner. He's a noob. He does not know what the master knows. The master has five. and Most likely throughout the game will only have five. Just like in the Karate Kid or maybe Kung Fu Panda, the master doesn't really get stronger with the Novus starts off with one dice. Master starts with five. Every day of training will proceed as follows. Master describes the day's training regimen. The novice will roll, and it kind of takes the Powered by Apocalypse setting and uh, rules to um, with the rolling for success. You take the top result. doesn't matter how, how many different dice you have. You always take the top number and apply it to this chart, which is 1 to 3 is a failure, 4 or 5 is a partial success, 6 is success. So kind of like John Harper's Blades in the Dark setting, The Forge in the Dark, or Powered by the Apocalypse. At the beginning, like I said, Novus only has one dice. But as long as you can get partial success or success, which is a six out of the D6s that you're rolling, you will get another dice for next day of training, be it the next literal day or years in the future, like how we played it. For how the cards work, it helps set the training regimen in terms of the setting. So you draw... Um, I have a card near me. Where is it? Okay, so clubs. So clubs represent air. Then maybe I'll draw again. And depending on what I get, we're going to go to the environment, which is maybe rocks, cave, mountain, or forest, grass, gardens, lakes, rivers, oceans, ruins, cliff, skies. So even, uh, what's the last thing? Category, a dangerous location, a battle, or a confrontation. So there's three different sections. Element, environment, category you can draw one to three cards you can just go down the list if you want or you can just draw one or three you can do one card per um, block i guess and it just gives you or i guess the master more ideas of where this training regimen for the day will happen maybe that'll help establish the story i this was the only part of this game that I thought wasn't like super necessary or super thought out if there was more to it that would be great but be it that you're only going off clubs diamonds hearts and spades there's really only four choices per card so there's like 12 choices in total so there's not a lot to go off and at points because I drew like air a couple times I kind of just made up my own thing or just had to improvise very quickly on the spot. All right, I'm taking this same card again. What can I do with the generic element of air? It does push your thinking a little bit. But also, I think that while the rest of this is very well thought out, this is one part of the game that I thought either should be cut out or maybe a little bit more detail put into it. But for those who want to use it, it does help. Then after that... The master describes what happened. The novice will roll. Depending on how well he does is what happens next. So one to three is failure. Training goes poorly. The novice is stuck with doubt. The novice tells the master how they approach the test and how they fail. So the novice, it's not the GM saying, okay, you had a shit roll. I'm going to describe how you fucked up. The novice says why and how they messed up and maybe for the future how they're going to try to combat that. Novus will select a flaw from the list below, some of which are the Novus will train independently and will overdo it. 
or they will lash out against the master for the unfair treatment of the character. They will remember why they are here, and they'll find comfort in a cape seek or memory. No matter what you're really rolling, you get... It's not just like D&D. You roll a thing, you either succeed or don't, and then you move on. With this, you're either choosing a flaw if you rolled badly, or a confession. With the master, if he gets the student to succeed, he picks a confession. Maybe they reveal a secret from the past, explain why they believe in the novice. Once again, this is a story-driven game in that constantly throughout, the game is forcing you, in a good way, to add more to the story and the lore. Travis and I, as we were playing, even though we had ideas of who we were playing at the beginning, based off this loose idea of a script I had, we learned so much more about the characters just by Travis failing or succeeding uh, during his training part, his training montage. Uh, four or five is partial success, so there's a hindrance. Uh, the novice will still select a flaw again, but this time the master will select a confession, and they'll add one more dice to their dice pool. Success is just a master praises their work and selects a confession and add one more dice to the dice pool. Travis rolled really well, so we really only rolled like five times or so because every time he got either a partial success or a success. I'm not sure if we played again how likely that would be to happen. So Travis had a pretty good luck in that he never really had a bad day. The one thing that did happen was that in one of his flaws, even though he got a partial success, he added a dice, but he had to choose a flaw. He chose the one thing that he didn't choose before, which was he withdraws into self-doubt. Remove one dice from a novice's pool. So even if you're rolling really well, as long as you're not just getting a six every single time, you can choose to lose a dice. Which I thought was kind of interesting, that he succeeded, but at a cost. And the cost was that he kind of went back a little bit, so his journey didn't end, which at that point he could have ended it right then, his journey didn't end at that one point. Uh, aftermath. The characters basically wrap up the day or morning or night or whatever, they say how their relationships change, do they gain or lose respect for one another, and we just basically during gameplay we just had a little quick bit. And most of the time was that, you know, I respected Travis's character. He either hated me that day or he respected what I was doing for him. And then we move on to the final test. So after training to the point that the novice should at the end have six dice to the master's five, because at this point the novice is stronger than him, unless it's on the very final roll. If they do really bad in our final roll, sure, we move on to the final test. But the master keeps at six. The master has six dice while the novice is five. But in most cases, our case including, the novice has more dice than the master by the end. Which I think is kind of cool. Because in most of the movies that I picture, Kung Fu Panda really springs to mind. While the master is strong, he's usually like older or weak. Or has some kind of flaw that prohibits him from fighting back. Maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi from A New Hope for example. So at this point, we go into the showdown. So we described the plan of attack. How did the plan fail? If you had more time, how would you have spent it? So we don't just jump into a fight. Travis and I had to answer these questions that kind of set up the fight and it made it a little bit more interesting than, okay, we found the bad guy, now let's fight. 
let's roll some dice and let's fight. We had to think a little bit about it. The last question, which I really like, do you believe you can win that fight? But after that, you take turns rolling to attack. At this point, it's something completely different in that the characters have to roll at least one six. There's no partial success. You ever fail, you don't. If you roll one, you remove a dice. So, like, you take injury. But the person who has less dice, so in most cases the master, they remove dice on ones and twos, but they still can only succeed on a six. So at one point, my character, I rolled, I think, one six, but I rolled like three ones, so I was down to one dice. And if Travis didn't finish the enemy off, there was a decent chance, a one in three chance, I guess, that I could have died. And we did eventually win, and a lot of that came to a very surprising amount of lucky rolls. I will have to play this game again to see, is this game designed to be too easy? Because we definitely didn't think it was too hard, except for that one bad roll I had. I don't think this game is too easy, and I don't think it's too hard, but I'm not sure. I guess it goes down to the tone of what the game is that you want. If you're trying to run a more, uh, I guess, kind of like Karate Kid, that's a family uh, film. You don't want a dark, bloody, gory end to that story, and you want the good guy to win. So maybe it is good that the good guys, more often than not, will win. And I think that's everything. The conclusion is uh, describing how it ended, and you do a debrief period where you step out of character, you breathe, and you discuss how the game went, and you share your favorite moments and anything that you particularly liked, disliked, or want to try in the future. Which is kind of a nice thing to throw at the end of a role-playing game when you get a chance to step away from your game for a second and talk about it. And kind of go back on the fun memories you had in playing the game. So that was pretty much a whole summary of this game because it's only five pages like I said. So now with of course downloading the game itself and also this podcast you should be able to run it if you want. And pretty easy you just need some dice some cards if you want and one other player. My thoughts on the game. You probably got a lot of it from me describing the game, but very fun and allows a lot of creative thinking. As someone who likes to do a lot of improvisation and also create uh, epic worlds and stories, this game was totally up my alley. And a game that is about training montages could have been way simpler, even at five pages. It could have been way simpler. There's a lot of one-page RPGs that take a very simple setting or premise, even they bring it down to one page. There's a lot of good ones out there. So also a lot of ones I wouldn't do because there's not enough to them. This game has a lot to it, without being one of those role-playing games that's a simple enough premise, be it to read through 30 or 40 pages. Either decide to be a long role-playing game or a short role-playing game is what I say. Um, overall, good game had a lot of fun it's not a game i would play a lot in fact i'm not sure if i will ever play again because i'm not in a case where i would play a two-player role-playing game very much my girlfriend that i live with doesn't really play any at some point i'll try to get her maybe on this podcast to play one but if she was into role-playing games and especially during quarantine this might be a fun game to break out and play one night. Definitely not a campaign game by any stretch, but it is a fun one-shot role-playing game. And I highly recommend people add it to your collection. Like I said, it can be a free PDF for you, and it's only five pages to learn to pick up. So that is my recommendation for Fight Bears Cough Blood 
kill God. This is also from the Beer and Pretzel podcast. For episodes in the future, we'll be releasing a interview with the creators of Murderous Ghosts. Um, Vincent and Meg of uh, Lumpley Games, yes, who have created Powered by Apocalypse and many of our fun games that have been very influential to the indie role-playing game scene. I believe that episode's going to come out this Friday. Uh, Travis and I interviewed them. That was a fun talk with them, and we got to learn a lot of fun things about the game itself, but mostly on creating independent role-playing games in general. For our next time, that we have a group role-playing game that we're playing, an actual play podcast. Brad and Beckett are coming by this weekend, and we're going to record a probably will be a couple episodes of The Green Knight by A24 Films. The Green Knight just released in theaters, and it's kind of like a spiritual, artsy take on The Green Knight poem. And they release a uh, role-playing game. It's not super expensive. It's mostly just like a starter kit to play. Um, but I bought it, and it looks cool, and the movie should be fun to watch. And we're going to be sitting down after watching the movie, and we're going to play the role-playing game for a bit. So that should provide probably at least two or three weeks of fun content. So people should come back for us playing the Green Knight role-playing game. After that, we got a couple ideas, including Kobolds Ate My Baby, to go on more light path. And if we want to drop back into horror, we're planning on doing more with the extremely awesome alien role-playing game. Thanks for listening. If you want to support this podcast, the best way you can do so is recommend us to a friend. Or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where I do posts there. And it's always nice to hear from fans respond back, letting us know that you listened and perhaps enjoyed our episodes. Anything else, I guess, if you want, you can go to iTunes and leave us a review if you really like the episodes that we've been putting out. We have been very consistent about releasing episodes every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and most Fridays, too, also at 10 a.m. And what else to say? Uh, we have a Patreon for less than a cup of coffee. You can get some fun content of episodes before they premiere and also our Patreon-exclusive spin-off podcast, Forever Gnome, where I play one-shot, one-player role-play games. Hence the name, the very punny name, Forever Gnome. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time on the Beer and Pretzel Podcast.